Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can also listen on the Stitcher app. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. You can email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. We are about a week away from Philly Sketch Fest, the Sketch Comedy Film Festival, followed by four nights of live comedy. Tickets are available at TicketFly.com. The Sketch Comedy Film Festival is Wednesday night at the PFS Roxy, and then two nights at the Playground of the Adrian, a night at the Ruba Club, and then a night at Underground Arts. More information about the shows and performers can be found at phillysketchfest.com. And if you have a free night and want to help out, there's a link to sign up to volunteer there as well. It's taken 48 episodes and many tries and emails, but I finally have the first former member of the group I used to be in, Judo Range. So today's guest is Chris McGrail, a former member of Judo Range and currently a member of Goat Rodeo. The sketch he brought with him is called Cyber Knights. McGrail plays Steve, the reluctant member of the Cyber Knights. I play the narrator and Gimbor, who is the leader of the Cyber Knights. And Julia Selly plays Madridon, the evil villain. So let's go to the sketch. thousand-year-old blizzard, Gimbor, chose five extraordinary high schoolers to fight the forces of evil known as the Cyber Knights. Cyber Knights, roll call. Randy. Bobby. Leon. Susan. Uh, Steve. Steve, is there something wrong? You seem a little down in the dumps. Well... It's just that I feel like I don't belong on the team. What are you talking about? Each of you were chosen by me with the guidance of the moon god, Akra. Yeah, but everyone else on the team was well prepared. They were all karate black belts even before you chose them. I mean, I, I have asthma. I feel like you, you chose me by accident. Now you don't want to admit your mistake. Gimbor looks around shiftily. That, that's not true. Whenever we have to fight the forces of the Dark Lord Mamardron, who has the most important job of guarding the castle? Steve! Uh, yeah, me and a giant robot hawk with laser fists. But you are the spirit of the team! And don't you have the greatest sacred weapon? Everybody, pull out your sacred weapon! Each team member excitedly thrusts their weapon in the air after it's called, except for Steve. Randy, the longsword! Susan, the dagger. Bobby, the double axe. Leon, the bow. And Steve gets a handgun. Uh, Yeah, yeah. see, this is what I'm talking about. They all have close combat weapons that take years of training. I have a pistol. You obviously don't think I have any fighting ability. I just don't want you to get hurt. Don't coddle me. Uh, Madrigan enters with his henchmen. Fighting ensues. Steve gets punched in the stomach and convulses on the ground. Madrigan trips over Steve and falls on his own sword. How did you 
No, my only weakness was to be impaled on my own sword. I have been killed by Steve, the mightiest of all warriors. Damn you, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hello. All right, so we're cheating a little bit, and this isn't necessarily the first thing you've ever written. Oh, this man, is yeah. like the first thing you you showed to us when yeah. Judo Range this started. This was a, an early Judo Range sketch, yeah. That we I don't think we ever did. No. No, yeah. Um, I kind of think we should have at we least should, tried we it. We should do it again. I, <laughs> I was saying, yeah, I, uh, I, I do like this sketch, um, and I did eventually want to do it, but there was like um, – the uh, 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 the great group, uh, uh, yeah, I just uh, Camp Woods, Camp Woods, the fantastic about, yes. Camp Woods, uh, who are still probably much better writers than I could ever be. <laughs> uh, did a sketch that it wasn't qu- quite the same, but it was kind of like it was like a bunch of kids playing with Power Rangers action figures, and while they're playing with the figures, other uh, members of the team would be enacting it, if it, it as if it was actually happening, mm-hmm. and one of the action figures was just one of the kid's dad and the other kids were like no your dad's no hero he can't be part of it and like you know it felt not too similar but like one of the things but enough that well if one of the greatest like sketch groups currently in the city does you don't want to be the the same topic yeah you don't want to be the same the group that has the second power rangers parody yeah yeah or and i don't know if you remember this but and this uh sketch i probably never would have been able to do because it was very it was a little too uh prop heavy or whatever you want to say i i did i r- pitched like a uh christmas carol sketch literally like around the same christmas the camp was did that great like mad men sketch right know? okay anyway um so where did this idea come from oh uh i i guess i just like the idea of like in a uh like a power rangers or a planet tears type situation like one of those bad shows from the 90s where like uh hold it's on a bunch don't, of like, <laughs> don't slag off <laughs> one of those like uh teams of kids who all mm. get recruited by some otherworldly force at the same time. And I just thought it was, it would be funny if one of them was just not on board at all. Right. And just like, whoa, I didn't agree to this. I didn't agree to fight. What am monsters. I doing I don't, here? I don't want to do this. I'm just friends with everybody else. I don't want to fight. Yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, so, all right. So this isn't your first sketch. Do you have any memories of what your first sketch really would have been, Dang. or like, uh, or even why you wrote it? It was. They were all so long ago. Uh, I want to say maybe like seven, six or seven years ago. I I started comedy doing stand up, and I was like, not a terrible stand up, but I was. I would look back and I was kind of hacky. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not a. I didn't like. Uh, and for whatever reason, I just was kind of like, man, I really don't feel like doing stand-up anymore. I, feel, I don't really feel like hanging out at, not a shit on stand-ups, but hanging out at bars right. at like one in the morning every night. And then like, uh, so Dan Vitrano ha- had this uh, sketch show that he was given to, I think because he knew people at Taboo. Yeah. And uh, what happened where it was, uh, and you know, him and I were even back then kind of writing partners when it came to stand-up. And we ran a bunch of mice together and he was like, we should do sketches at this taboo show I have and uh it was weird because it ended up being called called sketch playground okay uh but the only sketches that ever happened were the ones we would write and do between the acts and there was usually like a stand-up a couple improv groups and maybe occasionally another sketch group Mm -hmm. and uh 
Yeah, and the sketches, because we were stand-ups trying to do sketch, uh, and the, the sketches we wrote back then were not good. <laughs> it was a, <laughs> if I remember correctly, like, we were not exactly, uh, sketch program was not exactly looked lovingly upon by the sketch community. No, uh, it was not very well liked. Uh, we did a couple pretty damn hacky sketches. A couple of them were good, but a couple of them were pretty damn hacky. Uh, the first one, it was like, uh, we did one, I don't think it was my premise, I think it was Dan's premise, but it was about like somebody would rate restaurants based on how good the glory hole at that restaurant <laughs> was. <laughs> <laughs> What's the timeline for this? Because I don't really remember this. This would, uh, this would have been like 2010, 2011. Okay, so this it is was many pre judo range and all uh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was before I was really embedded in the sketch community. So uh, the first one I ever really remember doing with Dan, this is a, there's a whole backstory to this sketch. There's a, uh, a lot of funny incidents <laughs> in this sketch. It was one, I had a sketch idea that I thought was way too inappropriate to actually perform the way I wrote it, where it was. Uh, uh, two people, and this is a hacky premise, looking back on it, two people were, like, about to <laughs> shoot up a school, two of the students, oh my or, God. or it was going to be one of the students and, and, like, the principal, and they were both about to walk into a school with, like, uh, tote bags filled with guns, and they're, like, about to walk in at the same time, and they're just like, what are you doing? And like, I'm shooting up the <laughs> oh school. What are you shooting? He was like, like, I'm shooting up the school. And like, wait a minute. You can't shoot up the school. I'm shooting up the school. And they just get in an argument where it's like, oh, I'll tell you what. You, I'll shoot it up today, and then you can shoot up tomorrow. And, you know, the guy's like, well, okay. Now, wait a minute. It's just this very dumb, hacky premise. And did you ever do that? No, no, no. In a way. <laughs> in a way, we did it. Uh, I changed it so that it wasn't so... <laughs> terribly <laughs> offensive and hacky, but it's still... So the way I changed it was that instead of two school shooters, uh, it was like two se two like serial killers out straight out of like a horror Just, movie yeah. uh, who uh, like were gonna kill a bunch of people at like a slumber party. We, you that, know, a that common sounds more familiar. Like, that yeah, sounds a little a bit better. It was a bit of a skewering of 80s slashes, which I've right. always been a fan of. And looking back on that sketch, we liked it, but I don't even know if it was good because... <laughs> I mean, the audience seemed to be kind of into it, but so there's a weird, very strange backstory. Uh, um, I, I look back and it might have even been kind of sexist, I feel like, maybe. just But, like, about as sexist as 80 slashers actually right. are. So maybe it wasn't, but it just seemed that so way. You because You might have been yeah. making a commentary Yeah, about it. yeah. Um, and we were killing, like, a, we were going to kill a bunch of cheerleaders at a, at, a slumber party, at a slumber party. And the weirdest thing about this sketch is, I don't know why we thought this was a good idea, we didn't have prop, like, butcher knives, so we just used, like, real <laughs> knives. <laughs> and it's funny, like, be, I think I just, if I remember correctly, I just moved out of an apartment in, like, Chestnut Hill or something like that, and I still mm -hmm. had all this shit in my car, and uh, I had, I was, and Dan was like, well, we don't have prop knives, what are we going to do? And I was just like, Dan was like, well, we'll get butter knives from the bar, and I was like, that's not going to look like <laughs> weapons from a horror movie, that's going to look like butter knives. <laughs> So let's yeah. grab Fred. Uh, you know, like uh, Mike Myers doesn't use a butter knife. No. And then I was like, listen, I have these. I think I might have some knives in my car. And it's funny because out of the two knives we used, uh, <laughs> the one Dan had, people probably couldn't tell tell this. But it looked like the knife that like Michael Myers uses mm -hmm. in the movies, and it was it couldn't cut butter. It was like very dull. The tip was actually right. broken off. Okay. It wasn't actually dangerous. And the knife I was using was very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember as I was. Uh, as I was unsheathing it, like, because it had a sheath, 
which is a sign <laughs> of a sharp knife. I was like, I was like, I cut my hand when I was unsheathing it, or a, like a finger, and it still didn't cross my mind. Like, oh, this is a sharp knife. I shouldn't. <laughs> this is not a prop. Yeah, I could have even just kept it in the sheath. I don't know why I didn't. And like, I mean, I've used fake knives and sketches since. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember there was one in it, or I'm sorry, real knives since. Like. There was an Alley of Nightmares thing where somebody had to use a real, like, sling blade. But, right. again, it was in no way used in a dangerous way. It wasn't really yeah. held up to anybody in a dangerous way. But in the sketch we did, there was a part where Dan, with his knife, pretended to fake stab, uh, I think, Corinne Wells or somebody playing one of the teenage girls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And at the end, I pretend to fake stab Dan with my knife that was very dangerous. <laughs> and it was funny because before we did it, I feel like... Uh, not the... Uh, of course, it's all our faults. Not no, it's, it's on nobody <laughs> else but us. But, like, before... We did it like a bunch of other people who were putting the show together were like, "Oh, you guys use real knives." You're like, "Yeah," and people would be like, "Well, that seems maybe like you shouldn't." <laughs> and nobody was ever just like, "Don't, don't do that." It's a ter- people were just kind of like, "Oh, it was just like, huh. oh, that might that might be, be a bad, bad idea. idea." And then afterwards, everybody was like, "That was a terrible <laughs> idea." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, how we? How should we know? We had never taken sketch classes. I assume in Sketch 101, sketch they 101, tell the you, first role, don't use real knives. No, but it's definitely in, uh, one of the oddities of like uh, my early sketch days, making that dumb decision. <laughs> and I remember, I think we liked the sketch, and we were putting on like a, a many years later, like Sketch Playground ran for maybe two, maybe even more years. Mm. But I eventually kind of stopped right. doing it with them because I, I got... Uh, but uh, we decided to do, like, a, I guess Dan wanted to do a best of at Latage after they stopped doing it Taboo because mm-hmm. it wasn't working. And Dan was like, oh, we should do that sketch. Remember how much we liked it? And I was like, yeah, but I feel like people remember it more <laughs> for the fact that we used <laughs> real or the actual than, murder than, weapons than, on than stage. for whether or not the sketch was actually good. <laughs> so I was like, let's not do that sketch just in case people have uh, bad memories. All right, let's, let's go all the way to the back. What, what, what were you into growing up? Like, what made you laugh? Oh, uh, sketch one. Uh, like, not uh, even sketch. Anything, my inspirations? Like, what, what? Oh, man. I watched a lot of... It's funny because I, I had a fairly sketch comedy upbringing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, I remember during the summer, they would play on Comedy Central Kids in the Hall mm-hmm. during the daytime. And so when I was home, I would watch Kids in the Hall from a very young age. Uh 90s SNL, I would always watch the reruns when they would rerun it on like Comedy Central yeah. and stuff like that. So 90s SNL was a big one. Uh, a lot of like, like maybe Mr. Show later on, uh, The Simpsons, Space Ghost, Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. like those kind of kind of like out there oddball. A lot of oddball shows that maybe weren't quite, you know, mainstream. Like the, I mean, yeah, of course, whole. The Simpsons and SNL were mainstream, but a lot of it wasn't. Uh, who would be your favorite SNL cast member? Oh, man. Oh, that's so hard. Uh I don't know, like, in general or what based yeah, on ever. what they've done on SNL? Ever. Doesn't matter. Dang, like, I don't know. I kind of, I would be tempted to say Bill Hader because he's very funny, but uh, I don't know how regularly I watched the show when he was on. Um, Andy Samberg's also very underrated. I feel like he gets a bad rap for, uh, I don't know, would you, what would you say, for being too mainstream or something like that? But he's... He's a good. He's a. If you look at his like catalog, like the only yeah. he's a, he's a great writer, as is the rest of Lonely Island. If I had to say from when I was a kid, that would be much more difficult. From when I started watching it, uh, dang, I, I I would actually maybe say Al Franken because I okay. used to love Stuart Smalley. Right. Uh, See, like I I have no point of reference for Stuart Smalley what? at oh all. My God. Like I just know that one clip of him with Jordan. Like, yeah, that I don't was think I ever watched like a sketches. full Stuart Smalley. 
sketch. There's some good ones. There's Nor some, have uh, I ever seen the movie. What? But see, I, oh my god, that's yeah. Is, it, like, is the movie worthwhile? You know what? I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I used to so love no. it as a kid. <laughs> but no, but I've like I remember liking it as a kid, and uh, as an adult, I've actually heard that it's one of the more underrated SNL movies uh, mm. from like film film and SNL fans and stuff like that. And uh, I remember uh, going back or. Um, Oh, one of my favorite Stuart Smalley sketches was one that came out like the week after the movie came out. And it's funny because it's him in character with Stuart Smalley complaining that his movie didn't do well. <laughs> and he's just, I think Beavis and Butthead or something <laughs> beat it out at the box office. And he's just being very, because he's supposed to be a very calm yeah. you know, da- character, but he's secretly also very passive aggressive. And so he'd right. just be like, no, it's great. No, yeah, people wanted to see <laughs> foul-mouthed teenagers instead of my movie that I worked very hard on. Instead of my movie that uh, Siskel and Ebert gave two thumbs up. That's fine. He, um, like, I know him more because... I mean, he's been on the show forever, like, yeah, on and off. Yeah. And he would do, like, these talking heads on Update. Yeah, and, and his I, like, writing partner, whose name, uh, case, Tom? Something? Tom Davis. Yes, Tom Davis. Uh, they did a sketch, and I can't find it. I know it exists. I know it's a thing where it's an alternate universe where the Native Americans still controlled America. Okay, I do know. I, 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 don't, I, I know what you're talking they're, about, yeah. They're co- doing commentary on, like, a, lac- a major league lacrosse. And all the team names are racial slurs for white people, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Oh, and it's yeah. so like, wasn't it from it's like the seventies, right? Because I've yeah, seen it's, pictures it's of like them first dressed or second up. season. It is yeah. early, and they're like talking about like like the Boston mix and like all these other <laughs> ones that are just like, that is very funny. Um, but then he also does like the the me generation or the was it, it's the me decade. Uh, you know what what you know me Al Franken. You know that whole like catchphrase that he had. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I probably know him more for his 90s stuff than his, like, 70s stuff. Because I've gone back and watched some 70s mm-hmm. SNL. And it's funny because my parents always talked very fondly of it. But if you watch a whole episode, it's strange because there's, like, people criticize SNL these days. Just like, oh, a lot of the sketches aren't even that good. But there's a lot of, like, just dead air <laughs> in, in the there's, 70s episodes. Yeah. A lot, like of we, there, a lot of people do hold those, like, 70s episodes. But looking back at them as someone that didn't live in that era, like... Yeah. What is happening with some of this stuff? Like, I remember. Yeah, I like, remember. Uh, they do the bees a lot, and I don't think it always works. Like, there's oh, a lot the of bees, times where it doesn't sketches, work. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, that doesn't even sound that. <laughs> that premise doesn't even sound that funny. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of those premises are just like not even that. Not even super clever. <laughs> like the what was it? The uh, cha- the samurai. Yeah, the samurai. It's like that's. It's finally remembered, but I've and I've watched those sketches. Where it's like this is a very one note premise. <laughs> it's yeah, it's one joke. <laughs> it's a over samurai and over again. who has different jobs. <laughs> uh, I remember. Um, I I used to like when I was a kid. That, that, that for some reason that makes me think of uh, one note sketches. There was a sketch in '90s SNL where it was like uh, a Greek restaurant that made like uh, what's that? What's the thing I'm trying to think of? The Greeks uh, the, the sandwich. Gyro, the gyro, and they yeah. made gyros. And everybody liked the sauce, and people would be like, oh. people would be like, can I have some extra sauce? And then I think it was Rob Schneider or somebody is the guy at the counter would Isn't lean it in like, and be like, like he, really super sexual. He, like, oh, it is. Yeah, he would like lean in and be like, you like it like the, the sauce? sauce. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just keep saying that. And it was a, a fairly funny sketch <laughs> the first time around. And then the second time that they did it, uh, near the end, Lauren Michaels just walks on set and he's like, you know, I don't think we need to keep doing this. <laughs> like he's, and I used to love it when they would do that. They did that. A couple times. Like, do you remember Colin Quinn had a reoccurring sketch where it would be like, uh, I remember there was one where it was a guy in the crowd. It would be a guy in the crowd of like, 
uh, uh, Hitler. Hitler was at like Hitler's famous speech because okay. he when he first started, I don't know, gaining power, and he's just a guy in the audience who's. It's basically just Colin Quinn just be like, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. It would be a guy <laughs> being critical of like right. some sort of historical figure, and he was in the audience. And they did it a couple times, and one time they're doing the sketch, and then they cut to Lauren Michaels in like the uh, directing room or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you would call it, and he's standing next to Tracy Morgan, and they're both just kind of like, maybe we didn't need to do this sketch again. <laughs> like, I love it when they have those kind of moments on SNL. I, I think it's weird that like Colin Quinn was on the show for like four years. Yeah. I was a fan of Colin Quinn. I I liked his. Oh man, you know what? That reminds updates. me. Updates. I might actually. Uh, my favorite member. I might. I maybe would have to change it to Norm Macdonald. Yeah. I was a big Norm fan when he was on. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's been coming up a lot recently. Yeah. Um, uh, I love his stand up. There was a. I don't know if you if you saw this or if uh, Saturday Night Live. I mean, Rolling Stone did a list of the greatest cast members of all time. Yeah. And. I say Rolling Stone, but it was actually Rob Sheffield. Like he's the one that wrote oh, the entire I thing. Oh, I didn't. I hated that. And, list. I remember reading. And Norm Macdonald's yeah. like 140 something out of list. 144. Yeah. Like, it's funny because on that list, there's like a bunch of members who are weirdly higher up for some yeah. reason, and they're people that nobody remembers. Uh, that list, yeah, and like Robert Downey Jr. was like was, 90 something. Well, no, he was, he, I think Robert Downey Jr. was dead last. I think yeah. he was like for whatever reason. That was such an interesting year uh there was there's a documentary that came out somewhat recently where uh and they would air it on sundays on nbc a few years back where each hour of the documentary would focus on a different era of snl right and there's a, an era where they're talking about the one so the singular year <coughs> 85 uh right. do you remember so in the uh lauren michaels left i don't know all this history i i still have to read that like book all about Come on. but like oh no i have to i have to read that book but you know lauren michaels left in the early 80s and what's yes. his name took over dick yeah. Eversall. uh uh gene dominion yeah. took over for the first season which was awful and then Eversall took over for the next four yeah. and uh they're terrible and i remember as a kid because i would watch reruns and uh, around when i was maybe like 12 or so after snl they started playing old uh snl episodes and right. watching the one from the 80s with joe piscopo and eddie Murphy, outside of those two, yeah. are so bad. And <clears throat> a couple years later, they started playing reruns of SCTV, and I started to like love SCTV because mm. SCTV is kind of known for being like the Saturday Night Live superior when Saturday Night Live right. was on in the eighties. And <clears throat> it would come on after SNL, and it was like way better. And my my parents, I remember when I was a kid, would tell me they would stay up after SNL just to watch SCTV. Uh, so, uh, now that we've talked about Saturday Night Live for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is perfectly fine. Um, what drives you to do stand-up? You, you start as a stand-up. Oh, yeah. What, oh, what was your <laughs> impetus to get on stage that first time? Oh, Jeez. Uh, it's, it's like uh, uh, a couple weird reasons. I, I remember when I was in college... My friends would tell me that, like, oh, you should do stand-up. And it was, like, which is what everybody's friends tell them. Like, you know, yeah, like, there's oh, this that is my funny, funny friend. But it's, like, how often are they actually funny? <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, my friends would be, like, you should do stand-up. And I wanted to do it. And I, ne- I graduated college, and I never did until uh, a year later. I was going to grad school in uh, – and I was living in a place in Chestnut Hill. at a, uh, And I was just, like – I don't remember what made me want to do it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do stand-up. And there was a stand-up class being taught at Helium Comedy Club. Is that Was that the... Um, the uh, What do they call it? Philly uh, Brad Comedy Trackman? Academy? Was that? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you did the class? I was, yeah, I was such a... Uh, 
for some reason I thought I should ha- take the class. I would have to take the class if I was going to be right. good at stand-up or something like that. And I took it and never did stand-up until the class ended. And then I did it at the like graduation shows, right. which are always actually pretty good because it's everybody's friendly family and yeah. friends. And, and I liked it. And I started doing mics pretty regularly. And like, uh, yeah, the com- I think I took that comedy <laughs> class a couple times because I thought – I believed in it very much at that time uh, – and it's not, it's not, <laughs> you don't have to take it. <laughs> you uh, don't need to take it. You if, don't need to take it. If, if you I'm not it. mistaken. It's kind of looked down upon by actual good students. And I don't want to like slag the dude off, but like, I think that that Trackman class on, at Helium has been on Groupon like. Oh yeah? Every oh, like cool. week since wow. like the last couple weeks. So if you want to spend like 20 bucks. Really? On Groupon <laughs> instead of whatever it was. It used to be pretty expensive. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it used to be pretty. Like, I think the price has gone down expensive. Um... <laughs> So, all right, and then you and Dan start working And then together. that's right. So then Dan and I, I I, uh, I actually met Dan, it was, I think it was like the summer of 2010 when I started doing stand-up regularly. Okay. And I met Dan almost immediately at an open mic at Taboo. Uh, and then he, he and I just basically every week would, like, hit all the mics. Uh, and then after, uh, this is kind of embarrassing, after really only doing stand-up for not even – Six months, and both of us, it would be generous to say after doing Santa for six months that we mm-hmm. were mediocre, would be generous. Oh. Uh, and we made the mistake of starting an open mic when we were only like very new at comedy, oh and it so was uh, <laughs> it was bad. It was at this place that uh, nobody ever went to called why do com- we called the comedy on the grill because the place it was on 20th and Ludlow, right by the stock market, and it was this little black box bar that mm-hmm. got, had no business. And we ran the stand-up show there for, like, uh, a, a, a little under a year, I think. And um, stand-ups would come out because, you know, stand-ups are all about hidden mics no matter like what. And so mic. stand-ups would still come, but it was mostly usually just a stand-up audience. So we would right. have fun and just kind of do whatever we wanted. But then uh, <laughs> then another <laughs> mic got started by Carolyn Busey and Mary Rodzinski also on a Monday night. Right. That was and they're like by two actual good stand-ups who people respected. That was the, that was the one in Fairmount, right? Yes, like, yeah, yeah, at like an actual good bar that people liked going to. <laughs> and that not that I hold a grudge against them or anything like that, but that definitely took. But they scooped some, your heat. Uh, yeah, some, but some gotcha. people would hit us first and then go to them. And uh, after doing stand-up for a year, I just maybe a little more, like year, year and a half, I just kind of started to get. Tired of it, you know, started, you know, you have to have a certain, I think you have to really like doing stand-up, yeah. to do stand-up, because you have to be, you know, hitting mics every night and all that kind of thing, and uh, a couple things took the wind out of my sails, like, we, we stopped doing it there, because the owner was, like, a really weird guy, mm-hmm. and I think he might have been on drugs most of the time, and uh, it started after doing it for a couple months, sometimes he straight up just wouldn't show up, it would be, like, 7.30 at night, and we would get to... I mean, he kept changing the name because he was he would try and get business. Like he eventually changed it to like exchange and anyway to like okay. like the stock market. And sometimes we would get there and like the mail would be in front of the door and it would be locked. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we decided to stop doing it because one night we didn't want to disappoint the comedian, so we were just like, "Oh hey, we'll we'll just do it outside." And we did it at that little corner outside right. corner with benches, uh, um, out near the stock market. And then after that, we kind of stopped doing it. And then. Uh, Shortly thereafter, uh, through Paul Goodman, uh, uh, who is, he doesn't really do stand-up much anymore, but he, he was a really nice guy. He was like a dentist. He did stand-up. Mm-hmm. And he had a connection at, uh, what was this, Mike? Um, Kings, Kings Oak uh, in Northern Liberties. I think it's closed now. Okay. And so we ran this mic there for a while that was legitimately uh, like a lot of fun. It was good. Uh, 
But it was around the time I was considering not doing stand-up anymore. And, like, I always got a great audience because it was in the piazza. But it, it – and that mic ended very badly. And it kind of <laughs> took – it took the wind out of my sails oh my because it was, like – and I think that's what made me not really want to do stand-up anymore because it was, like, it was going fine for about two months. And then the owner was just kind of, like, Monday night football, we want to do yeah. sports. Because there was, like, a, a bi- very big disagreement between the owner and another stand-up. Uh, he had, like, a TV on during – the stand-up right. to Monday Night Football. Which is not and, okay. And, uh, you know, of course, the stand-up was just got a little heated about it. And it was like, hey, well, you can't have a TV on. He's like, let's just one TV in the corner. It's like, let's still distracting. Yeah. Uh, sports are like the bane of open eyes. <laughs> like yes. Because uh, people don't understand that, you you know, yeah. they will distract the eyes. And, and yeah, I re- around that time, I was like, you know, I don't really want to do stand-up anymore. And I felt a little bad because uh, I think – Dan and I had a lot of uh, disagreements about it. I think since we started together, right. I think he was upset that I was stopping it. Uh, and it's funny because shortly thereafter, uh, a good maybe six months after I kind of stopped regularly doing stand-up, he called me and he was like, hey, uh, I'm going to start running uh, the open mic at Exchange again, the Black Box Bar. And he's mm-hmm. like, you want to do it? You want to do it again? And he was like, wh- and I remember saying like, well, is there a different manager? And he was like, no, it's the same guy. And I was like, well, oh. no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but Dan and I have always worked. We've had our disagreements, but we've always yeah. worked very well together. And it's, I remember telling him this the other week. Uh, and we did a sketch show at Good Good like a month back that we were pretty proud of. And I remember saying to him afterwards, like, it's funny that all those years ago, we just were putting out so much bad content. <laughs> and, and now we're still working together. And, uh, you know, doing stuff mo- that we're mostly proud of. We still have. So as you transition to, s- to sketch, do you do any of the sketch classes or do you just you know go what? right That's the in? Thing, because what started me in sketch was just as a stand-up doing sketches at uh, the te- Dan's Taboo show. Right. And that was basically my uh, introduction into sketch. I basically learned by mistake. Right. Or, like, what do they call it? You know, learning. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of how I learned it, uh, how to do sketch. And we did that for like, uh, we did that for a good couple months. And by the time, and then I transitioned into like other sketch groups like Judah Range. And by that time, I was kind of just like, I don't know if I have to take a sketch class. I've been doing no, it. Right. I still, looking back on it, should have because I still wasn't great at sketching. <laughs> I always <laughs> wanted to take a sketch class at Fit. But, and the few times I was like going to sign up, it would sell out or something right. like that. So I just, yeah, I never uh, took a sketch class. All right. So, how, so you and I worked together on Judah Range. How does that process happen for you? Like the judo range process? Yeah, like uh, were you part of that sh- that uh, that first judo range show? Like no, that that's fun. I wasn't actually. I was not part of it. Whoever that. was a part involved in that was in the summer. I uh, it's a little murky that that. So I was in another sketch group with Matt J. That kind of uh, came out of Sketch Playground. In right. fact, we did. Okay. Uh, I guess I, I probably did one of my first full set set. It was this group called. Mini boss uh, and Matt okay. J met because we met at one of the taboo shows. Matt J and I, and we were just like, "Oh, let's start to get, start a sketch group." And it was like myself, Tom Whitaker, and Matt J, and we all kind of had nerdy interests. So we were like, "We'll call ourselves Mini Bots and do nerdy sketches." Which, looking back on it, I'm not a fan of necessarily like pandering to one crowd, like right. the nerd crowd or anything like that. Um, but at the time, yeah, I think we like tried to write most video game sketches or something like that. But it. Just didn't work out because there was a lot of uh, uh, clashings, maybe, of egos and stuff like that. And sure. so that broke up. 
pretty quickly. And I think Judo Range kind of came out of that, I think. I, like, I think you took so. a sketch I, class with Matt J? Yeah, Matt J and I did the master class with Kevin Allison and yeah. a bunch of other people were involved in that class. And then after that class, I don't know. I don't remember who all is in the email. And I'm sure if actually I, I can probably go into my Gmail and find it. And, yeah, yeah. And see who all was sent this email. But I got an email one day like, hey, let's do a, a sketch show. But there were names on the list that weren't in the class. The, yeah, and I assume mine and, was one uh, of them. Y- you know, you were there, uh, Ian Baffler. Yeah, yeah. A couple other people that I, I didn't know yet. And I we met, I think, at Ian's place. Yep. Yeah. Um, I believe he still lives there. That's a cool... Anyway. I don't think he does anymore. I think <laughs> he just moved. Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but like in like December of... 2012? Ele- I think it's 11. To st- wow, that was... 20... Okay, that does make more sense. Um, yeah. Be- and then... Slowly, I, like a lot of people came to that first thing, and then I think we basically got that six or seven that we became. Yeah, yeah. And then we spent like three months, uh, like three weeks, uh, meeting at that storefront on South Street that had no electricity. Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, space. Like, uh, on, like I forget. There was a name. It was a very weird. It was a strange place. Yeah. Yeah, with no electricity. Uh, so with we're no electricity. We're writing yeah. sketches in the dark. And it was run by uh, a woman who I think was an artist, but she was a little strange. And sometimes uh, people would just literally walk in and she would yeah. be like, is it okay if <laughs> I totally forgot about that until you brought <laughs> until you brought that. I totally forgot about that whole place until you brought it up. <laughs> and yeah, the woman running it was a little strange. And people would just come in while we were having writing sessions. And, and she would out. say, like, is it okay if she... Sits in on this writing session. It's like, no, these no. are strangers. <laughs> <laughs> We're not a showpiece for you. About that. Like, yeah. yeah, man, that was very strange. Yeah, but they. D- I think Manny Petty did like a show there. There. Uh, I think shortly she eventually after that, did people get started doing shows regularly there. Um. So, all right, Judah Range lasts for about nine months, ten months yeah. or so. Uh, Pro Mania happens, <laughs> um, and then basically Judah Range splits up. Yeah. Well, it was like. Uh, Judah Range. I, I actually, I, I had fun with Judah Range. I think we did some really fun sketches and some fun shows, but it was like, I remember in the beginning, because it kind of came out of that class you guys all took with Kevin Allison. Yeah. And it was just, it was kind of a situation where, I remember I was wary at first, because I can, I, I can always be a little wary about groups coming out of classes, like improv groups or okay. sketch groups. And like, no, we had a lot of fun, uh, and I did like that group, but sometimes it felt like, I don't know, there was uh, not, not like too many cooks, if that makes sense, and there was like a lot of different voices and I know there was like I don't know. I feel like there was some falling out. <laughs> no, there, we don't have to talk about some falling out. There was there was not sure. not not among and like I I remember what happened. Yeah, and like there was some falling outs. I won't get too much into detail. And some people, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, like some things happened where people felt in the group felt like unwelcome in the sketch. Just a couple different things happened. Yeah. And after a while, uh, which Colette and I had been writing sketches together, and right. we just and were kind of like, maybe that's we when, should leave. Um, this, it felt like the group was kind of breaking up, and Colette and I made the decision to. I I, I distinctly remember this, and, and so we'll talk about this. Uh, we were going to meet at a Starbucks, yeah, somewhere. Like I think I think it was on South Street, and it was, I think it was just you, me, and Chris Coletta to start. Oh yeah, okay, and, you're right. And you guys were, and like you guys were like. Like, I don't know if I'm looking back and, like, making a joke about it, but, like, that's when you guys were breaking up with me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about <laughs> like, to say, yeah. Like, you guys were like, hey, uh, this this is clearly not going to be a thing in the next yeah. month, but Chris and I are, we're just going to work together as yeah. a duo. And I was just like, okay. Yeah, like, I it, it was funny because I remember 
I, I forgot that that's when we told you, but I remember we told everybody else at, because uh, we wanted to be big about it. We wanted to like, you right. know, tell people in person and that kind of thing. And like, it was a meeting at Ian's and we were just like, uh, and there was a lot of things that went into that decision, but we were just like, hey, I think we're just going to split off. And it felt bad because people were like, what, really? And like, I don't know, it, it seemed like a couple things weren't working out, but like, People uh, and it, it this is a dumb thing but to say, but it seemed like like a breakup. It seemed it, like it, a breaking up with like a, 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 a and like there are certain things I, like I remember it and I understand. Like I think you guys lived pretty close to each other, so like yeah, or like, maybe yeah, or like closer than because I know you were commuting into Philadelphia back a then. Lot. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I think yeah, I was living outside the city. So I mean, you and Coletta split off and become was it Coletta Kirk, McGrail? We just called or, ourselves Coletta McGrail. Yeah, um, and. So were you originally part of uh, Goat Rodeo? Now that I'm yes, old? yes. So you were part of the original group of like yeah. But so was Chris, wasn't he? Hmm? Wasn't Coletta as well? No, that was a whole. So yeah, Coletta and I worked uh, together for. We had our sketch group going for. I feel like a little under a year. Coletta, Coletta and I. Uh, I really liked working with him, but I think we. Uh, <laughs> I think we kind of. Faded. We burnt out pretty quickly. Right. It, I think we. I don't know if he feels this way, but I realized that being in a duo is difficult. Like it's when we left a whole group and then we're just a duo. Yeah. There was this immediate realization that I had, where I first realized that uh, as much as I like writing, I'm a little lazy. <laughs> uh, and then like, uh, and, and uh, when it comes to rehearsing and everything else, and there was just this realization of like. Oh man, we're it's only two people doing everything. <laughs> That's a lot harder than a whole group yeah, of people. Like you have to be on stage the whole time. Because as you, you say to... that, and me thinking back to it, like I'm not gonna you know say that you're lazy, but yeah, you are two very different people. <laughs> oh man, yeah. like I feel yeah, I I loved working with. You're Clara. both extremely funny. Yeah, he you're. Your ideas are generally like out there and weird. Yeah, I think he's a bit more grounded. Like, <laughs> you have like two very diametrically we different did, people, yeah. which could work great. Yeah, I think we. It's funny because Clay McGrail, I I loved working with him. He was a good friend, but like, I feel like we were both in a weird place when we were working together. Like, we we were. I, I, I think we were both working very sporadically, looking for right. more for better employment. Like that, just like in weird places in our life that might have affected the group and like yeah it was fun working with him but i feel like i might have been <laughs> kind of a jerk back then uh, i feel like like i i could be uh a jerk about like i was very protective of sketches and i was very like no it has to be you have to read it this way like everything right i was a little i mean in any sketch group that's another thing i realized about being in a duo in any sketch group somebody has to be in charge and I, neither of us liked being in charge, and I feel like I sometimes was forced because somebody had to be right. to be in charge, and I feel like I, I could be a dictator at times. <laughs> I think I'm less of one now, but like I was a little bossy with Clyde and McGrill. But no, we, we uh, yeah, I think for a number of reasons we burned out pretty quickly. We only were a group for maybe a little under a year, but in that year we had some sketches that we really liked. We yeah. had some sketches we really liked. I mean, there's yeah. sketches from the Judah range. I mean, your ideas, and like this even goes now to the current, Goat Rodeo, like the last Coat Rodeo show, because like I'm yeah. pretty sure that last sketch was you. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, originally like sketch. yeah, like just watching those, like oh, this is McGrail all over it. Like, <laughs> this is like his fingerprints are like literally oh, everywhere. Um, you but, can like, always, you can definitely always tell me <laughs> 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 if there was like a blind reading of like I don't know Goat Rodeo sketches yeah. or any group I'd been in, I'd be like this is the McGrail sketch. Um, but like even back in the Judah range, like and I don't remember this because I wasn't there for this trip. You guys went on a trip to Pax 
Oh, East. yeah. That's kind of how Colette and I started, yeah. And you guys did McGrail Shaving Corner. Yeah. Which is yeah. the dumbest thing on earth, but it made us laugh yeah. to no end, no matter how many times we did oh, it. Oh, like, I love that sketch. We only did... I, I almost forgot about that one. Yeah. So I guess if I had to pitch, if I had to summarize the sketch, it was like uh, I was, and I had a big beer back then. Yeah. And so I had to maintain it and everything. Uh, and so I was a, a talk show host that had a show about shaving. Right. And the lights would, and, and this two minute video of me shaving in front of a mirror, like maybe even more than two minutes, two, three minute this, video. This like beautiful <laughs> slow motion. Yeah. It was great music to it. Like. And, uh, uh, and like, um, yeah, very well-made video of me shaving in front of a mirror, and then the lights would come up, and it'd be like, "Welcome to McGrail's Shaving Corner." <laughs> I think it was Mike Dieva who played this the special guest, or yeah. who were, somebody who had a question or something. It was like, uh, "Welcome to McGrail's Shaving Corner." I give people advice on how to shave. Is there any questions? And uh, Dieva would say, "Like, yeah, what do you? Uh, what's best to use to shave?" And then I would say, "Shaving cream," and then blackout, <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then the t- and then the stupid video would just play, play. all over <laughs> because the video just made us laugh. Yeah, yeah, it was. N- but like people liked that sketch. People like people told, and it was te- it was actually Coletta's idea. Uh, it was his sketch, and people would tell us we we should film it. And I think Coletta and I again, we were both very protective of sketches. And we were just mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't think it needs to be filmed. Um, but yeah, and there was even like a sequel <laughs> to Coletta the sequel's awful. that did the not sequel go well. Yeah. Bombed entirely because <laughs> I, I was in it. Yeah, and I just remember like, oh, this is not okay. Which like, I believe Coletta also wrote the sequel, and the sequel was uh, it was like you were you weren't there. I was sick. There was a guest and it was host. Coletta filling in yeah. for me, and it was just him like insulting. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he insulted me yeah. like for like, a minute. Funny. But yeah, um, now I loved. I I did like McGrail Shaving Corner, and that actually came out of. That PAX weekend, so we all liked video games and that kind of thing. But like, except for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why. I, and it was like me, Ian, Mike, uh, and we all went. And um, Colette and I don't really like crowds, and of course it's super crowded. And Colette and I, and I just really weren't super into it because it was so crowded, and you had to wait in line just to play one game. Yeah. Damn, and, and so Colette and I really just ended up getting drunk the whole time. And because uh, I brought like a bunch of liquor with me, and we we were just <laughs> we were drunk the whole time. Which Matt Jake, because he loves video games, was like, "Why would you just come to get drunk?" And I was like, "Well, we're having fun." <laughs> and then like we were just drunk the whole time, and that's kind of when we realized that our comedy sensibilities matched very well. But that uh, sketch specifically, uh, I remember it was like one in the morning. We were both pretty hammered, and we were like, oh, "We should probably go over to the convention center." Uh, and he just filmed me like drunkenly shaving in a mirror. Uh, one day, and then like two or three, like uh, many weeks later, he was like, "Look at this," and he showed it to me. And I was like, "What the hell? Like, what do you? What do you exactly?" And it was like the video with like the music and the intro right. and everything. And I was like, "What do you? What exactly you plan to do with this?" And he was like, oh, "I have this sketch called McGrill Shaving Corner," and it was a great sketch. It was very funny. Yeah. All right, so you and then you get into Goat Rodeo. You yeah, were in yeah. the original group. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what you submitted for that? I do. I submitted like. Uh, <laughs> I hope this doesn't make anybody mad at me, but it was like, uh, it was three. So when you submit to Go Rodeo, and I think it's still the same with sketch groups these days, uh, you you would submit three sketches and three premises, I believe. And it was three full sketches, and the rule was that, like, you had to have written all the sketches yourself, which I did not abide by that, because it's like, (laughs) I know, I've never, I've... I barely ever write sketches by myself. As right. uh, I remember, 
um, Rick Moranis once saying on, on the Nerdist podcast when he was on, he was said like, I always have an editor, and I kind of always try to follow that. So I always, you know, most of my sketches I asked for other people's advice on, but I, I submitted three Colette and McGrail sketches um, that I wrote most of. Like I had, I had pitched You were the it, original first draft. Did the outline and all that. And then, yeah, and then... That guy. And I, I asked Colette's permission before. Yeah. You're uh, going to get kicked off Goat Radio. <laughs> what if, after literally almost. Sam's like, going to hear this. No more. After three and a half years of Goat Radio, that I think I, for the most part, I, I've you know been pretty good on the team. And after like three and a half years, she's like, nope, sorry. It's the principle of the thing. You're off the team. <laughs> you lied. You're off the team. And I'm like, but Sam, I thought we were. Yeah. No, but like, um, yeah, it was, it was three Colette McGrail sketches that I was pretty fond of. Uh, got me on Go Rodeo. Uh, and then, yeah, I was a writer, and I ended up being an actor, but that wasn't my initial intention. Right. Uh, I, f- I feel it's the case for most of the Fit House teams is that, yeah. like, it, you know, it's, it it starts as a writer section and an actor section, and then eventually they just, like, coalesce into, yeah, like, yeah. one big group. I wasn't, I wasn't forced, but uh, I remember Sam, uh, we were having actor auditions. And I, I don't think I, I was going to act because I was just like, oh, great, I can just write. Because I, I can get, I kind of still to this day get very nervous on stage. I was like, I don't have to act. That's great. I won't. Uh, and then when we were reading during the auditions, uh, Sam was like thinking of who we were going to cast. And she was like, uh, I think Aubrey Williams and Aaron Herzog were both like, well, we'd like to act, act if we can as well. And Sam was just like, oh, yeah, you both can totally, of course you can be on the, right. t- on the acting team. And she was like, and Chris, uh, I like the way you like you read sketches, so you're going to act too. And I was like, I didn't want to be like, no, I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to be like, no, I'm not going to act. Uh, but, and so, yeah, I, I then, ended up being an actor as well. So, okay, so you've got Rodeo, you're working with Dan again, on and off, yeah. when and things I, happen. You know what? And he was cast on uh, Dog Mountain at the time as an actor. Was he really? Yeah, I which I kind of, I never wanted to make a big uh, fuss about it, but I kind of want to be like, no, put him on this team, I work well with him. <laughs> um, so... Uh, so why, why comedy? What what got you to do it? Oh, what made man. you want? Oh. I don't know. Why I guess do it was you still do it. Like, um, <laughs> I'd be like, why do I still do it? My yeah, answer I mean, might be a, kind like, of sad. I mean, even just in the time that we worked together, there yeah. was enough tumultuous things that I stepped away from comedy <laughs> for a year yeah, and a half. Yeah. Like, I, to be fair, over the like many uh, over the years that I've been doing it, I have sporadically stepped away from it right. here and there. Um. I guess the main reason I still do it is I don't have anything better to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I once was having this conversation with, I believe, either Dan Corkery or Paul Trigg, maybe both of them, where mm-hmm. uh, they were just saying, like, and we were talking about this, and they were like, well, what else are we doing? What else right. are we Like, it's just like, this is all I know now. Yeah. And, like, most of my, uh, whether or not this is kind of sad, most of my close friends are, like, Art. other comedy people. In the scene, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't just do that. <laughs> Um, and then finally, uh, you've been doing this for a while, and you've never taken the classes, so like you don't you don't know like the clinical approach to it that yeah. they kind of teach I think you I'd in the class. Probably now, I but, yeah. Do. But like, do you have any advice or anything that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on to hmm. someone just getting into it? I don't know. I mean, like any kind of comedy. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to take a stand-up class, but <laughs> you should take an improv class uh, if you're going to improvise because those are very good. And you should probably take a sketch class too. Uh, and I don't know, just get to know people, make some friends in the scene uh, immediately. Did you uh, ever do any of the improv classes? I did. I actually, once I was, I believe, I've actually taken up to and including 301 at the FIT. So who, uh, okay, so wait, let's start, let's stop there. <laughs> who, 101, 
Uh, Mike, oh, it's going to sound so mean that I can't remember his, his full name. Mike Hockman. Mike Hockman. Okay, 201. Uh, Ralph Andraccio. Three. Uh, Steve Kleinendler. Okay. So and I believe I took all of them. Maybe I paid for the first one, but I believe I actually buddied all of them once I was on Go Right. I kind of did a backwards type That's thing where it's like, once I get good enough to be on a team, then I'll start taking the when classes you get those for company, free. When you like, get those company member perks, you might yeah. as well oh, use totally. them. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you're saying to take the classes. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's worth it to take. If you're going to do sketch, I would say take the classes because uh, I think it's fine in stand-up to learn by mistake, but it's kind of, I don't know. Looking back on it, it's, it was a little awkward and clunky learning sketch by mistake. Because there's a lot more rules, I feel like, to sketch than there are stand-up. And definitely for improv. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, take sketch class. They're fun. And most of the people, I think everybody who teaches them are pretty cool people. Yeah, it's a pretty good yeah. crew of teachers now. Yeah, totally. Fit. All over the fit and good, good and all that. Oh, yeah, good, good, too. Good, good does sketch now, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Chris will be seen next as a cast member in Locked in Julia's Basement when they kick off Philly Sketchfest along with It's the New and The Amazing Flying Edelman. April 20th at 7 p.m. at the Playground at the Adrian. Tickets are available at Ticketfly.com. And if my math is correct, Goat Rodeo should be back on the fit stage in June or July. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to woodercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band No-No, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And of course, like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Now go see some comedy. <laughs>